social protocol is basically the 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 way you are supposed to act in different social situations. Like not farting at the dinner table, right? A super obvious one. Everyone knows that, right? But um, you know, the anything from small talk, vibing to all the stuff we talk about on a first date, seduction, like how to act in these different situations, because you're presented with a, a huge number of variables. And as the variables go up, the harder it is to figure out. Um, we talk about the dork force field. Guys who are good with women, um, guys who have what we call like the cool factor, right? They understand this stuff at a high level. Um, they have what we refer to as a dork force field. It's a force field to keep dorks away because dorks don't bring any value. Um, they're just gonna slow someone down. Like if I'm out with a guy with really bad social skills who's gonna make me look bad, then it's not gonna allow me to meet other guys who are cool and meet hot chicks. Just what's the value for me? Like why would I bring that guy around? I wouldn't and I have a dork force field so, and I know how to identify those guys. I can identify them by what they wear, their body language, how they talk, how they walk, all these things. And it's pattern recognition. Like I can spot it, you know, the snap of a finger. Like I just know. I see a guy, I see the body language, I see what he's wearing. I don't even have to see what he's wearing. I can just tell. Um, and women have insanely, uh, you know, <laughs> insanely advanced dork force fields. So if you don't look the part, if you don't look like a guy who gets it, uh, who carries himself in a way that dates that type of girl, she's gonna immediately shut down you as well. She's not even gonna listen to what you have to say on your approach. That's why something like fashion is so important because it just shows everyone whether or not you get it. It's like the easiest way to tell, right? Right before you, you know, she can tell from 30 feet away if you get it or not. And body language is yeah. just as important. Because you can put a normal suit on anybody oh. and still miss the mark. Totally. When you're not prepared in a certain domain and you get that hit, you get that injury, it can it can produce other injuries throughout the entire night. It can just fuck you up for the whole evening. And so having this information and being adequately prepared, as they're saying, it, it helps you avoid some of those injuries that have the capacity to just really take you down step by step, step by step each night. So it'll be the difference of... Like when you're going out and you come out to your car and you got a parking ticket, like fuck, it's gonna start the day off, the yeah. night off terrible, yeah. da, 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 da. and everything from that moment goes downhill. Whereas if you would have come out and was like, oh shit, five dollars by my car, boom, I can get me an extra Starbucks tomorrow, and then everything else, it's only five dollars. Like you shit on five dollars in a day, yeah. but that five dollars, oh, it's a great start to the day, and everything goes up from there because research shows that. Your lens dictates what you see. So if I'm working with a depressed client, I have to point out the good stuff in their lives because the only thing they see are the negative things. And so when you get that one injury, you'll begin to focus on so many of the negative pieces that just take you down. If you got these bullet points checked, you have less opportunity for the injury, less opportunity for something to spiral your night down the wrong path. If you can just speak intelligently about going to Southern Spain, or if you could just know who the Super Bowl champion was, just that information, it just saves you, it just helps you dodge a little bit better. So to break through someone's dork force field, like, you know, at one time I was super dorky, and I had to find people that were less dorky than me to go out. So I, I found, I leveraged my skills. Um, for example, uh, when I first got into this stuff, I knew that if I turned myself into like a, an approach machine, 
then even though I was dorky, I could at least feed girls for the guys I was out with. So I would hit on everything that moves. And I would go and hit on girls, bring the girls over to the guys, and now there's a huge value for them. You know? They're, they're meeting girls a lot easier because I'm around. And I wasn't a liability. Right? If you're a liability, forget it. You're not going to get through it all unless you're rendering a different service. Like, if you're my website designer and we develop a friendship, then yeah, maybe we'll go out together. And because you're rendering that service, you're also getting the benefits of like, you know, the social value I bring. So you'd have to render a service. Um, <laughs> if you can't render a service, then you have to find a way to be a value add and make yourself not a liability. So you gotta penetrate the dork force field. When you can absorb confidence, even if you don't have any, it makes it easier to act like you do. And there's this concept called the Rosenthal effect. And the Rosenthal effect says, when it's expected of you, it'll happen. It kind of like leads to this self-fulfilling prophecy. And so let's say you lack confidence and you walk and you look totally like you don't have it. Then let's say you can employ some body language that looks confident, that feels confident, but it's not authentic yet, right? You do it and you get what we call a corrective emotional experience because something good happens to you as a result of doing it. And because of that experience, you do it again because now you have confidence to do it again. You're not totally confident, but you're doing it, getting a reward for it, then doing it again, getting another reward for it, which increases the likelihood that you'll do it again when no reward is available. And that's the goal, is to just make these things move from behaviors to actual traits. And how you do that is by practicing, by absorbing, by doing those things and having somebody like these guys be able to say, hey, that was wrong. Hey, you didn't do that well. Hey, that was fucked up. Hey, that looked terrible. Hey, that man, and you being able to really absorb it and say, hey, this is the feedback I need so that I can behave in a way to get the feedback I need to get evidence to try it again. And that's that reciprocal relationship between behaviors and thoughts that you have to pay attention to. Yeah, there's a, a really good TED talk by a, a woman named Amy, I think, Cuddy, and it's all about body language, and it's uh, fake it until you become it. In a nutshell, that's what, that's what I just said, a yep. more cohesive statement. It is, it is. And, and you guys are trying to package yourself for sell almost. How do you make it such that somebody wants to buy what you're selling? And if you don't believe in you, why am I gonna believe in you? If the commercial for Tide says, this is some half-assed laundry detergent and nobody really messes with it, it gets your stains out a little bit, but that's what poor body language says. That's what a, a, you know, a poor dresser says, that hey, I'm lackluster, you wanna be lackluster with me? <laughs> that's not what you guys are trying to sell. You guys are trying to sell, you know, top-notch. Yeah. And that's what's the ability to sell and negotiate. Um, you know, you are, you're selling you, you're selling a product, the product is you when it comes to dating. And the common thing I see amongst guys who are really undateable is they've never had any sales experience. It's very, very, very rare for me to find a guy who's like a really good salesman who doesn't do very well with women. When I graduated college, I took a job working in private equity, and my job was to raise capital, which is sales, you know? Um, and I was basically selling uh, accredited investors on you know, $20,000 plus investments, which I had no business doing, 
but you know, I found a way to succeed. And if you're selling to a, a group of people that's very knowledgeable and influential and smart, you have to step up your game that much more. And that was that was a huge, uh, you know, learning learning experience for me. Because um, up until that point, I always had the, I guess, the notion that I'm not a salesman. I never want to be. So if you have anything like that, you got to drop that from your mind because you're always selling something. Um, fashion. The basics of fashion is your clothes have to fit, most importantly. If your clothes don't fit, it's really obvious that you don't know how to dress. Right? It doesn't matter what the brand is. If you're wearing all Gucci or Armani and it doesn't fit, you still look like an asshole. <laughs> clothes being in good repair, like it doesn't look like you just pulled them out of the pool. Wrinkled shit. Yeah. And if your fashion's on point, you should never look out of place. Like you should never show up to the LA Philharmonic dressed in like a t-shirt and shorts. Right. Or should you ever show up at a basketball game dressed in a tuxedo? Yep. Or a club. You show up to a nightclub wearing a suit, like one oak, you'll get laughed out of there. So sometimes you can be overdressed. <laughs> Usually it's underdressed. Yeah. And it's more about instinct. Like I, I think that's what dressing says to women. It's that not that you know his jacket costs three hundred thousand dollars, but that he knows what to do in a certain space. And I think that, once again, comes along with what you were saying about being in those spaces and absorbing the energy and understanding it. Um, but that instinct, I think that says a lot to women when you walk in and you look appropriate. And there's several ways to look appropriate, but when you look appropriate, you win. Whatever, whatever appropriate is in that space. Yeah. Other things, if you understand jeans, you understand shoes. That's, those are very important when it comes to fashion. If you have good, she good jeans and good shoes, your shirt isn't that big of a deal, as long as you're not wearing like affliction crap or crazy <laughs> shit like that that's like making this bold statement that you don't want to make. I think what you said earlier was important. Like, you got to pay attention to this, is that even if you don't agree with it, it's a part of the game, right? We know masculinity is defined in a variety of different ways, but right now with these skills, like this is just shit that just has to happen in order to do what it is that you're wanting to do. You may not agree with it theoretically. You may hate those things, but just for context. You want to hang around guys who are cool. You want to go to a sports bar, but you don't know anything about anything. But I, 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 I preach that with pop culture and you know, politics and news. Yeah. Like I, I've preached this before in the group and wrote about it that like I wake up every morning and I'm on Flipboard and I just go through major publications and know a bit of context that yes. if I'm at the bar that night and so did you hear about so and so? Yeah, that's crazy. Like like and give a detail of that point. And having something to reference. Like in our conversation earlier, I referenced uh, an article I read this morning in the New York Times you that certainly did. immediately added value to what we were speaking about. That's what you need to do in any, you know, social settings to be able to add value with the contextual, like, whether it's sports, pop culture, news, politics, etc. We had just met, and uh, he, we were having a conversation, and he dropped that in, and there was no prejudgment anyways, but what that did was say, oh, extra bonus point, this guy knows what he's talking about, you know what I mean? And so... Validation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Added value. Great right connection. Which is, you know... What you're going for to be able to connect with you. As we go through this, and you just pointed this out, like 
I, I, I can't honestly check off every single thing in my life. And the concept of always learning and always getting better, like one of the motivations of me being part of this group as a moderator is to get better at these things, is to reinforce these things, you know, with you guys. It was huge, like when I made this list, it was a, it was a great reminder, like, do I need to fix that? Do I need to do this and this? Do I really remember how to make French toast? Okay, yeah, I do, but I should probably make it again. It's been a while, right? Um, and especially in this next column, when it comes to money management, it's another thing that every guy should have, you know, a pretty good grasp, control of. Um, you know, you should be working towards developing some passive income. Um, obviously, if you if you're working towards, you know, a, a solid career, work on that first. But if you have a career, you should be looking for ways to to develop yourself um, in that regard. I, 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 I was giving this example earlier, and I totally forgot and got sidetracked on my story, but remember I told you guys I read that book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Yes. Mm-hmm. And the big key that I got out from that book was if you invest in real estate, you have a solid asset that's usually going to appreciate. You know, there's going to be times when it'll go down and real estate will, will crumble. But over time, you have a tangible property, and if you find cash flow generating properties, that's a great way to to basically build your you know build an empire of wealth, and you know for many years I was like shit I can't I can't buy a house I can't afford that, and when Airbnb came along I realized like holy shit I now have like now we've got almost a hundred properties we don't own them we just we found a loophole we rent and sublet but they still provide that same cash flow actually better cash flow than owning a place would so you know it's it's crazy how you can just focus on things like that and eventually you can find a way it may not look exactly like you know by the time I was 30 I was like I want to own like 10 properties I own one but I have 80 that generate the same passive income which is the whole purpose behind owning property. Exactly. <laughs> this is better because owning it, you don't have to, you don't have to pay luxury, or you don't have to pay property tax and deal with a bunch of shit. This is actually better. Um, but, you know, that was just kind of an idea. You should having that mindset. If you have the mindset, you'll create it. You'll find ways to create it, even if it isn't obvious right from the get-go. And also like, making the most out of your finances and finding new ways, you know, for income. Like, right you know, there. There's times in your life where you kind of accept the salary that you're on, but you want to live a certain lifestyle, and like you find other ways to make money and bring in or cover certain costs, etc., to make sure you can live that life and you're not sacrificing as much as you would for that career. And that's also a sign of masculinity and a sign of emotional intelligence as well. And girls, you know, dig emotional intelligence and being able to know that streams of income is different from jobs and being able to speak intelligently. And you don't have to be a millionaire, but being able to speak intelligently about options for money, different things that you can do or different things that you explore. It demonstrates that you have a lens for the future. It demonstrates that you uh, have an awareness of self and that you have a level of confidence that says you're going to be able to utilize some of those things that you're talking about. So you don't have to be a stock market genius, but understanding about stocks and bonds and understanding about um, liquid income and all, all these different things is pretty critical too, I think. Yeah, it's huge. And, and to just quote you down that list, like the stock market. Um, I don't play the stock market. I, I don't encourage anyone to play the stock market. Um, people play the stock market and still they, don't, they never beat the S&P. So instead of playing the stock market, you can buy funds. You can buy the S&P. Um, you know, I have a, a Roth IRA that invests in you know, a series of mutual funds and 
and I have some money in the stock market, but I, I know nothing about it. I don't care to learn a lot about the stock market. I know I'm not gonna make a lot of money being a day trader, and almost every day trader I know is broke because it's really, really hard to beat the S&P. <laughs> uh, it's the S&P 500, it's just an index of like 500 really, well, you know, long-term huge companies. Um, and, uh, you know, just knowing that alone is, is kind of, you know, enough right then and there, right? Um, should know how interest rates work, you know, the value of you know, interest rates and how that relates to credit cards, buying a house, mortgages, that stuff. One of the guys in the group I know is a young kid. He like graduated college a couple years ago. He makes a lot of money as an engineer and he puts like 90% into an attack retirement account. You're living in like way out in Queens when you could be living in Manhattan and taking advantage of all the social opportunities because you're broke because you're saving everything for what? What are you saving it for? Like, <laughs> you're living with your parents in a shithole. You don't have money to buy nice clothes or buy any clothes for that matter. But life is going to be great when you're 70. Right. Right. No memories. Talking about vernacular, you know, you should understand a casual versus an academic environment, right? If you're in an academic environment with People that are, you know, more straight-laced, white-collar. Um, you're talking about academic subjects. You don't want to be dropping f-bombs and talking in slang, right? Know your audience. Likewise, if you're at a club, you don't want to be, you know, talking like Shakespeare. <laughs> Look like a fool. One of my best like, personality traits is the ability to be like a chameleon, and like in any social setting, I can kind of adapt. Um, and fit in and make few people feel comfortable. Um, so like bringing the right type of communication um, or vernacular like, to that situation. Mm -hmm. And um, being a little monotone versus being able to speak colorfully. Um, one thing I, I see really consistently with guys that struggle is they're very monotone, um, voices, very little inflection. When whenever they want to add like telling a story, it's very boring because it's just like man, 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 back, boring, back, bad, bad. Versus someone who can speak colorfully and paint a picture and get people excited and you know speak with speak with emotions. It's really important. Um, there's a there's a, a real art of storytelling. We cover this in the conversation workshop. We do a lot on storytelling. Um, you know, to to be a good storyteller, you have to to know what to avoid. You have to know what to focus on. You know the the real emotional aspects of the story and you have to put yourself in the situation to recall the events and, and typically every time I tell a story it's a story I've told you know, 15-20 times and I have stories for certain different events like if I meet a girl from Eastern Europe I almost always tell the story of you know the border getting at, uh, bribing the uh, border patrol between Hungary and Serbia. It's a great story. Talk about Jason, how he was racially profiled as an Asian guy. And <laughs> it's an amazing, uh, funny story that people relate to. Or I'll tell, um, I'll tell, you know, sex stories. Um, if you could record yourself telling stories and post that in the group, that'd be huge. I think the, the big thing here is just understanding the mentality within these situations to understand, like, are you psyching yourself out? Like, are like, are you thinking one situation is something that it's not? Uh, so I think it's healthy to like ask those questions internally, and and you reach inside of you and figure out like go back to that moment 
and what would like, with the self reflection, like, what was I thinking, like in that moment, like why did I jump to that, etc. So I, I urge you over this weekend and moving forward to really reflect on those moments and and you yourself be able to pull that out of your, you know, out of yourself. Um. Next on the list is technology. Um, <laughs> most girls have an iPhone. Young hot girls, iPhones, right? Difference between an iPhone and a Droid. You ask, you line up 10 hot girls with an iPhone, if your text message shows up green instead of blue, it's a tiny little tick mark against it. It's not gonna, it's not gonna be the, the yes or no, but you add all those up. And if you pull out a flip phone, you're for sure. <laughs> so you should add the, the blue text messages every time. It's not a big deal. It's not a huge okay. deal, but just know it. Be aware of that. I, I was never aware of that. Be aware of that. That's all it is. And you can even call it out. If you do have a droid, and droids are bad, or you know whatever, you know this, the, the, a smartphone that's not an iPhone. If you call that out. Like, if you were to text her after being like, how annoyed are you right now that your my texts aren't showing up blue? She'd know that you get it. And you could, you could laugh about it and joke about it. She's like, wow, this guy really gets it because I was annoyed. Like, <laughs> I mean, in some circles, too, yeah. you bust out, like, a non-iPhone, that's, like, your other phone. Like, meaning you got a girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my girlfriend's, like, they got two soft, two, two, uh, two phones on T-Mobile, and one of them's, like, a trap phone, like, the one that, like, girls are texting. So that's another signal, but it doesn't necessarily apply to all social circles. And I'm Android, and I just speak to that. I think it's very true, but you can also be Android and just anti-Apple, which is another great conversation. Sure. Yeah. Like, oh, I think Apple is trendy, and it's just... You don't want to offend the girl, but my whole logic is people get sucked into the Apple brand based on marketing and it's not any better quality. And so that's a plug for Android, the conversation starter, yeah, but absolutely. there is no conversation starter for flip phone. There's just no <laughs> conversation, <laughs> yeah, conversation right. ender. Exactly. Yeah, if you have an Android, yeah, you should, you should understand. It's, it's more about understanding, not you should just go buy an iPhone because girls like iPhones. Right. You, know? right. <laughs> you should understand that they like them, why they like them, and if you still want to buy Android, fine. Yeah, or all your other technology is Mac, I mean, is um, PC. Like, if you just use Windows stuff, you would get a Droid because it's compatible. And so that came up and you weren't on the iNetwork. That's what you can, another thing you can do. Right. In a similar vein, like pointing out email addresses, um, you know, this is kind of like a snobby one, right? But some people will look like, some people are like huge Gmail, like people are real Google fans, you know? If someone doesn't have a Gmail account, they'll be like, oh, what's wrong with them? Why don't they have a Gmail account? I frown on Hotmail. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I do. I frown on Hotmail. Oh, if you see a Hotmail or AOL, how is it possible? That's, that's such a red flag if you have a Hotmail or an AOL account. Like, that's a huge red flag. Do you know why though? I mean, like, Hotmail was the first mail, and that means that you had the same email address since 1993. Yes. Right? And so, if you've had the same email address since 1993. Chances are your habits are the same too. You said what? Chances are your habits are the same too. Well, your underwear are the same, your <laughs> shoes are the same. <laughs> Like this is you say, oh yeah, I'm, you know, Dan87 at hotmail.com. <laughs> Are you still in 1987? And yeah. so it really it, it really puts a puts glasses on her and you you're seeing through this lens through the rest of the time. So even when you do neutral shit, because she knows you have a hotmail address, 
the neutral stuff is now bad, right? Where before, yeah. if you had a Gmail address, the neutral stuff would have been good. I'm minimizing it like by email address, but all those little pieces, they create a lens through which you're viewed. Before your checkered shirt was eclectic, now it's nerdy because you have a Hotmail address. And so it's the, just those balances, your fedora, you know, earlier it was kind of like, oh, he's still kind of cool with it. Now it's kind of like, oh, he sold two seasons ago because of that small <laughs> little thing that changed her lens about you. Like, for example, we were, you know, we were meeting the other day to discuss working together. At the end of that meeting, if I would have said, oh, yeah, I'll send you an email. My email address is golfpip17hb at AOL.com. <laughs> that would have probably sunk the entire business. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you got a thought or a question? Yeah. How can you change your own lens? And how could you change someone else's lens? Yeah, it's, it's about the evidence that you get. I tell you, people don't understand that evidence changes behaviors and viewpoints. And so if I have a client, when I was doing direct services, if I had a client who was isolating uh, and you know falling into their, what we call the cycle of depression, they needed evidence of other stuff to get them to move, to shift their lens from pessimism to optimism. If they were only seeing all day the shittiest stuff happening in the world, they maintain that shitty, they maintain themselves in that shitty space. So changing your own lens requires you to once again go out on the limb, do something a little bit different to get evidence of the lens that you want. And when you get that, you're able to live it more authentically, step by step. Every single time you go out to do something, you want to deliberately create an opportunity to win. Even if it's not an opportunity that comes naturally, like just in the real world of what you would normally be doing. And so now you go to a space. For instance, sometimes I go to Neiman Marcus just to have lunch. Sit at the bar, have a bourbon. They have some the most amazing chili. Because I know that I'm more likely to meet a successful business partner or somebody successful to collaborate with sitting at Neiman's for lunch than I am sitting at McDonald's, going through the drive-thru at McDonald's. And so I'm saying that to say when you change your lens, you may change an activity that you do during the day to get some different information about the world. You may change your route that you take every day to get a new piece of exposure, but you need evidence to change your lens. That's the only way lenses are changed. You can't read it in the book. You have to feel it. And so what you go on out with these guys and being here this weekend, this is why this stuff works. And this is what research states about it working is that you get little bits and pieces of evidence about your shifting paradigm and then you get support that goes back and forth and suddenly you're able to do these different things that you weren't able to do. So evidence and you said changing somebody else's lens, once again, time and more evidence. And that shouldn't be throwing it in their face. It's like subtle shit. So like when you were called out on your shit on Facebook, it's mm-hmm. like you should rather be building your brand online and more passive posts of like culture and stuff and adding value to someone's like newsfeed rather than like calling attention to change. And I, and I think you could do that very easily and that will attract people. And I like honestly have seen the funniest shit, you know, over the past couple of years where I've seen like I've been successful myself and done all this cool stuff with big artists 
and it's very subtle on my, you know, on my feet, but I'm building my brand and I'll have dudes who are like dickheads to me in high school or college, like older guys, whatever yeah. it is, like people like, yo, like, is there any way like we can like catch up? Like, dude, I don't even, I don't even like care about you. Like, mm-hmm. but it, they're coming back because they're seeing me in a different, it should be across the board, it should be family, it should be, you know, all over the place. And, and I've come to that point and not that I was coming from a bad place, but I just not to get along with some like the hockey dudes or whatever. And those dudes like, you know, reached back out to me and I, I just was like, what? Like, mm-hmm. what? like you're jocking me now? Like, yeah. But yeah, he's, provided, he's provided this different evidence and he's branding himself in that way now. Everybody's like, oh, what are you doing now? Can, yeah. we, be, can we be down with you now? Yeah. Um, when me and Robbie first met, I was with my wife and I had like on a blazer and shoes and, you know, I was dressed because we had just come out from um, a really a really nice dinner in Beverly Hills. And I said, okay, well, next time when we said we're going to meet up again last week, I was like, well, he has a lens of me. I'm clearly older than him and I don't want him to have the lens of this lens of me of being this kind of like old stiff Dr. Grant dude because that's what we talked about right and so I knew that I wanted to participate in what he was doing because I see the value in it but I said in order for that to happen there's gonna have to be one added lens that he has of me and not just the suited up you know Prada dress shoes guy and so when we met the other day I had on tennis shoes yeah, he looks way younger. I did that strategically yeah, and intentionally yeah. and deliberately because I knew, even though he may not even notice or said anything, I knew that the night that we met, that because of the wife and because of talking about my son and because of the shoes and the jacket and the button-down shirt, I knew that I had given him a certain lens that may not have completely fit with the brand that he was going for. So I had to show him another part of me too, which was, hey, I got jeans and Jordans too. Right. And so I showed up to our meeting like that, just so we have, just so he had that balance. And so yeah. those little pieces right there are what changes the lens and create the lens. Now, could I have shifted that lens without the tennis shoes? Probably, but it would have taken more cognitive energy and I would have rather spent the cognitive energy engaging and dialoguing on the relationship and the rapport when I could put my sneakers on to say, just what I wanted to say, just in 30 seconds. Would you think about having the social awareness to, to realize that was going on? Like, you see how advanced that is. Like, most guys wouldn't even think about that. They'd be like, oh, yeah, I don't, I don't even remember what I was wearing. And then to, to be able to say, okay, I know he's coming from this place. He's looking for this sort of package. And to be able to modify and intentionally change his output to that is, mm-hmm. you know, speaks evidence of someone who has really advanced social skills. Yeah, I saw this uh, documentary I posted in the group about uh, number one complaints of interviewers, and like 70% is uh, people didn't dress well to the interview, or didn't dress appropriately for the interview. That's like mm-hmm. 70% of Was that complaints. saying like overdressed? Un- like, uh, it didn't say it? inappropriate. Okay. inappropriate. Like, I, yeah, it could be over I'm or under. I'm a lifestyle media company, and right. like we wear like streetwear clothes like in the office and incubated by a major streetwear company and I had kids like come in suits and I was like yeah. hey, did you not like identify like what a brand is yeah. if you like you want to connect with me no. if you want to no, sit with me like I get that like your your person at school like tells you to fit in this cookie cutter box but like right. you just lost a point on me totally. no 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 totally like I'm in the tech space too like yeah. if you come like a video game company in a suit you're gonna be weird yeah yeah yeah, yeah. would you say that more of that lens being changed on a, on a more rapid scale would be done through visual or uh, communicative? 
both. And the nexus between the two creates synergy. Synergy is when one plus one plus one equals eight and not three. And so you have to pay attention to synergistic opportunities. And so the look key, we, uh, we're visual people. And so definitely the look is key. But if you're talking about sustainability, you need the synergy. You need all three pieces to kind of to kind of fit there, right? And so, for instance, when uh, when Robbie introduced me to you all today, he may mention some of my credentials, and I didn't. When I was same concept about coming here, what to wear? I said, well, you know, guys are gonna be from all over the place, gonna be different ages and such. And I said, well, I'm gonna wear a button down shirt, but it's not gonna be like a white button down shirt. I'm gonna wear shoes, but they're not gonna be like hard bottom leather shoes. And so the synergy between maybe the youth of a fatigue shirt with the Dr. Grant, it gives me this access. It gives me this approachability that I knew was going to be necessary coming in here. But it's the synergy between what I'm saying to you, how I look, and all these pieces that creates whatever whatever's being created. And so the answer to your question is you can't rely on just one of those domains. You have to enhance efforts across all those domains such that the sum is greater than the individual parts of the, the individual parts. Yeah, I do it in my industry as well. Like in terms of the way I dress for something, like I went to you know a major agency yesterday, and that's probably the only time that I put on a button down and just make sure that they know that I'm a business and that I'm not some like rich kid throwing money at artists, right? right. But at the same time, like when I go to meet with a manager of a hip hop artist. I dress in like my like dope streetwear, and that's still me. But like I, I make sure I point to look extra good that day because they're gonna assume I am a white rich kid that like is just has no relevancy to what they're doing. And you know, there's a uh, there's a I'm playing race card here. I'm playing a lot of different things Absolutely. here to make sure that what one business gets done, but two I don't get put into a different you know pigeonhole that I don't want to be in. Yeah. Um, and, and just being mindful of that, like I love your examples because it's like you have to get to that next level of thinking of how you're going to come across um, in that situation. So a couple more things, and we'll take a break. We're gonna we're gonna hit harder on music. Um, I'll have Max will talk about that, but you know you should understand. You know if if you haven't heard. Uh, this is an area where I really need work on. But, um, you know, if, if a song comes on, and I'm like, oh, I've never heard this song, and it's like a top 40s, or, you know, it's, it's on top 10 on Billboard, and you haven't heard the song, and you're like in a bar, and um, the girls would be like, uh, where are you from? And, and that's weird, and, and the thing that you can get better at is just, it's like, Robbie knows all the songs, because he's always in an environment where he hears it, but he, has, he doesn't know who they are. And so when I talk about artists, like Robbie is is deaf to those to those names, but Reddy knows the song, so it's like making the connections to it, um, both on a classic scale as well as on like a pop culture tip. Um, you get major brownie points when you like know the words to a song in like in a club, and it's like some throwback or whatever it is. Like chicks definitely notice that, but also when you give great recommendations, like I was at Coachella and I saw Chet Faker, and you should be listening to him. That music recommendation goes a long way, and like I use my personal brand to push new music on people and I got thanked all the time like yo I checked out that song that you posted amazing now I'm like their biggest fan like yeah. adding an ad value in the music and being diverse 
in in your musical taste, not like fitting into who you think you should listen to. I mean, I'm a you know six foot one black guy. Everybody thinks I only listen to hip hop, but here I am. Like, I'm like the only black guy to Kings of Leon concert because I love Kings of Leon, Mumford and Sons, and so being able to speak about things that are outside of what one would think you love. And so if I say if I say the word truffle butter in here, who would know what that? Means? <laughs> okay, and so being able now I'm not talking about like the truffle butter like on a burger or fries. This is something different, right? And so... <laughs> Please don't go to the I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. That's tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so, yes. so being able to have a fun conversation about the most ridiculous song title in the entire world and what that means, it just it just brings you current. I mean, you don't even have to like the song, but knowing that the song, that that song exists, I mean, I'm saying, oh, can you believe that they're singing about it? Isn't that hilarious? And just understanding stuff like that. And so knowing <laughs> words, being able to engage just in some nuances, I think it's, it's critical. Yeah. It's critical. And, you know, and, and movies, TV shows, very similar. Like, you know, you at least have to know what these movies are about or the TV shows are about. Like, for example, before I watched Breaking Bad, I kept hearing everyone talk about Breaking Bad is such a popular show. I didn't want to invest the time in watching it, so I Wikipedia'd it and I read, you know, I read this, the plot. And then I ended up watching the series because it was an amazing series. But I could talk about Breaking Bad. I knew what people were talking about because I, I read the clip notes, right? You don't have to watch a show, but if you don't know that Game of Thrones is a popular show, you're gonna look like an idiot, right? If, if you've never seen Rocky or you've never even heard of Rocky, you're gonna look like, you know, you're born. And even if social media hashtags associated with them, like if you don't know what GOT is, like Game of Thrones, and being able to like right. be aware aware of those things, can you guys like say uh, um, and everybody these movies that they have listed here? I think there's some classic movies here, obviously. You guys would you guys be able to like recite like a one liner from? Because I think everybody should know. Like a one-liner from one of these movies. They've yeah. had so many not classic one-liners, like but like social context. Like I will like reference a Seinfeld episode here and there. Right. You know, in right. terms like a, a scenario that I'm in with a girl. I'm like, yo, it's like Seinfeld, that, and she'll laugh because she'll know yeah. that. It's like the puppy shirt from Seinfeld. Yeah. yeah. You know, or um, the man bra or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, you're talking like there's so many jokes from like Ben Stiller movies. Oh. Like yeah. dodgeball, meet the parents, meet the fuckers. Like there's so many pop culture jokes. And if you don't get those jokes, then you're gonna look like an idiot. Yeah, there's a, there's, there's a yeah. song that plays in Zoolander when all the models are spraying gasoline on each other in the gas station. And whenever that song goes on, I like re-enact that. And people would all laugh at me because they remember that and they see that connection. That's a pop culture reference that adds value to a situation. Yeah, like if you're telling a story and it's, it's, a, it's a cool story, bro. And a girl says, cool story, Hansel, and you're like, Who's Hansel? You know, like an idiot. Because obviously you haven't seen Zoolander. You haven't heard people say that joke. It's like such a common joke you should know. A cool story, bro, came from cool story, Hansel. From Zoolander. So those are, you know, you guys need to have a real big understanding of all those things that we covered. The next stuff, that's like the real fine-tuning. The difference between like a B plus and an A plus.